Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Uncle Strib. Um, today is, I'm excited for today's pod because it's a solo pod. I don't have a special guest today, but I actually wanted to do this podcast uh, because I had a lot of people reach out to me asking me advice on on working out, like how to, how to train for strength and things like that. So I decided I wanted to go ahead and uh, do a cat podcast on it because I couldn't really tell everything I wanted to tell in such a short over text or over message. Um, but today's episode is just going to be talking about strength training and specifically training to increase max in specific movements. Before I get going, I just want to mention that this was like a random spur of the moment podcast. So I might be fumbling over myself a little bit. I wrote down some notes right here just to kind of somewhat keep me together, but I might be all over the place. So bear with me. Um, and before we get started, just for the all that don't know, um, I am based, I'm an online fitness coach or fitness trainer, however you want to think about it. Um, I got my certification in workout design, strength and conditioning, and personal training. And I have uh, I have free free coaching. So anybody that wants advice or needs advice, wants to ask for advice or help in any type of training, um, I'm free to reach out to just on my Instagram, FLS4Swag with two Gs or wherever you're seeing this at. Just, just reach out to me. Instagram is probably the best way to do that. Or Snap, um, Snapchat, FLS underscore IV. I think that's it. Or it might just be FLS IV. I'm not sure, but if you go to my Instagram, the link tree's on there with my snap, so that works. But anyway, so I just wanna get straight into it. Again, building strength for increasing max in a specific movement. That could be squat, that could be bench, deadlift, hang clean, uh, things of that nature, the, probably the, most, the more common movements. So first of all, we're gonna start off with probably the most important thing. Before I get into it, another side note, the, I hope that the point of this is with this information I'm giving, I'm hoping that you can take something from this to pretty much program your own workout program. I'm going to go over the things you need to understand to make a program so you can implement it to create your own programming based on what you're trying to do if you're building for strength. Because there are two different styles of training, weight training. You have hypertrophy and you have strength training. Strength training is building to increase your overall max, one rep max specifically. Hypertrophy is to increase muscle size, which is more like bodybuilding. People that are working out for aesthetics, that's hypertrophy. People that are working out to increase their numbers and a movement, that's strength. Just to get that laid out. Technically, we, I'm gonna try not get too sciencey and too nuanced because we can. I can talk about this for hours, but. They're sort of kind of one and the same. If you build hypertrophy, you're gonna build some strength. If you build some strength, you're gonna you know, grow your muscles. Um, but there is a very, very finite difference. That's why bodybuilders don't look like powerlifters, you know what I'm saying? Or like the strong men, they don't look like bodybuilders. So just to put that out there, now let's get into it. I think obviously before you get into, the number one thing is frequency. How many days a week um, do you plan on training? Before frequency, I do want to note, I think the most important thing is just what do you want to do? Obviously, I named this strength training, but you can train for anything. So first, 
You need to understand, okay, I want to increase my max bench or increase my max squat or it can be both. But you need to first have a goal in mind is I want to increase strength. Okay, perfect. You got you want to increase strength. This is the video for you or the audio if you're listening to this, uh, listen to the podcast. So how many days a week do you want to train? Now you can train however many days a week you want, but there's some things you should know based on frequency that's going to actually dictate the rest of what I'm about to say. The rest of this podcast is is determined from how many days a week you want to work out. So I, at the bare minimum, if you're working out once one day a week, if you're going to the gym to build strength one day a week, you're not you're pretty much not going to get anything done. The that's not enough frequency to have any kind of results. So I'm just going to start at two. At the bare minimum, you should be going to the gym two days a week for stretch, really for any type of training. Two days a week minimum. I personally would suggest more. But at the bare minimum, let's say you are super busy and you only have time to go two days a week, make it work. That's fine. But at two days a week, there's some things, there's going to have to be some give and take. Preferably, I think the sweet spot is four to five days a week, but we're going to go down the line. I'm going to explain each one. So at two days a week, let's say you're trying to, let's let's say, for example, it's overall strength. You want to increase your squat, deadlift, and your bench. If you're working out two days a week, you're going to have to pretty much do full body workouts. Because if you do upper body, let's say Tuesday, lower body Thursday, you're only training one muscle group once a week. And by and the, for the two days a week, that really should, you got to think about it is muscle groups days a week. So if you're doing two days a week, you need to train full body. So you're training your full body two days a week. You're going to see some results in those muscle groups. So if you have a, your split is what's pretty much determined. So two days a week, you're going to have to have a full body split, which means you're working full body. If you're trying to increase your squat, hang, let's say squat, deadlift, bench, you're going to have to squat, deadlift, and bench to, let's just say Tuesday, Thursday, just or Monday, Friday, however it's broken up. You're going to have to do full body those two days because you're train you'll be hitting those groups twice a week if that makes sense and again it's not recommended but if you go if you're somebody that's not training at all and you're just getting started two days a week is not a bad start it's, it's a good place to start until you get get the routine going then you can up it to, to however many days after that now three days a week it's a better frequency pretty good frequency but you'll still have broad splits so at three days a week, I would still probably suggest doing a full body workout. Um, I, at one point I was doing three days a week, but I was doing hang clean squat, deadlift, bench, and like one accessory work. And I'll get into the accessory work and stuff later, but I was doing hang clean squat, bench, deadlift, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that way I was, I was working on squatting three days a week. I was working on benching three days a week, working on hang clean three days a week and deadlift three days a week. So I was at, I was seeing progress in my numbers because I was doing, I was working those muscle groups three days a week. Now you can get a little, if you, you can get a little, once you get to three and up, you can get a little creative because you can have, let's say for example, Monday is full body, then you, then you rest Tuesday, then Wednesday you can do an upper body and Friday you can do a lower body or vice, you know, you can kind of, or you can do upper Monday, full body Wednesday, and lower body Friday. So you can kind of spice things up by still implementing a full body day, 
Um, or you can have it as like your cardio day. So full body Monday, cardio Wednesday, full body uh, Friday. Things like you can get creative like that, um, which I'm making it a little complicated by implementing cardio. Because if you're training for strength, I would shy away from cardio a little bit. I'm not saying don't do cardio, but I, I don't want to go too in-depth between cardio versus strength training. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna go there. It's gonna get vastly complicated. But you can spice things up because again, you're gonna have to do some research on your own and figure out what's worked for you. But now four days a week, now it gets interesting. Now you can have upper lower splits. What that means is upper body is completely on one day, lower body is completely on one day. So four days a week. Um, at one point I was doing four days a week. I was doing upper lower Monday when Monday, Tuesday was upper body, lower body, rest day, Wednesday upper body, lower body. You can do it like that. So I'm hitting both muscle groups two days a week, but they're on separate days. So I'm getting more rest for those muscle groups. Or you could do, you could do uh, Monday, full body, rest Tuesday. Then you can do upper, lower, full body, full body. You see what I'm saying? Like you can, you can get a little more creative. Now, um, five days a week, again, you can have upper, lower splits, and then you can add uh, an ab day. I know some people do abs, um, on one full day. So you can have upper body, lower body, abs, upper body, lower body. Or you can have upper body, lower body, plyometrics or cardio, upper body, lower body. You can you can split up like that. Or you can just have um, what I do personally. I'll go over my personal programming throughout the, throughout the, the podcast just to kind of show you an example of what I'm doing like right now. But right now I'm doing five days a week, I'm doing five days a week and actually I have it in my notes here. I'll explain my five days a week after this. And then obviously once you get to six and seven days a week, I think six days a week is probably the, if you're, if you're talking about hardcore strength training, I think six days a week is the best way to optimize total increasing total body strength. I personally don't in this particular point in my season, because my program is broken up into seasons. Um, but this particular point in my season i don't do six days a week i work out monday through friday and i rest saturday sunday but six days a week you can do three upper lower split three upper body days three lower body days alternating upper lower upper lower upper lower and you're hitting upper body three days a week with those muscle groups lower body three days a week with those muscle groups so you're hitting everything at least three days a week and seven days a week I personally don't ever really suggest seven days a week because I do believe you should have a, a, I personally believe you should have a full day of some type of recovery. I do two days full recovery except for the summer, but I do believe it is important to emphasize some type of recovery. Now you can have a, a day as like an active recovery where it's just low intensity, 10 minutes on a bike, maybe 20 minutes Stairmaster, low pace, Something like that, or, or an intense uh, an intense stretching day where it's 30 minutes, like yoga for 30 minutes or stretching for 30 minutes, some type of mobility. That's fine, um, but I kind of shy away, at least when I give advice, to telling people to seven days a week with all these crazy splits. One, because I don't think for the average person, it's not realistic. And two, usually people that do that, they, they, know, they already know what they're doing. You got to really know what you're doing and really tuned in for something like that to be comp to be completely effective. Um, but if you do, if that's something you wanna get into, there's plenty of videos on YouTube or, or the internet where you can figure that out. Now, training for strength, 
the key component for strength training is going to be prioritizing compound movements. Now, compound movements are movements that hit multiple muscle groups. So like bench. Bench hits more than just chest. It hits triceps, it hits shoulders, um, it hits a little, it hits forearms, a little bit of biceps uh, secondary wise, or squat. Squat, you're getting glutes, calves, quads, and a little bit of hammies. And by a little bit, I mean a secondary muscles work is going to be hamstring, not primary. But it's hitting, hitting all those muscle groups. Those are compound movements. So you're able with one movement, you can hit three or four muscle groups in one movement. So you're being more efficient with your workout training. And so, yeah, again, squat three days a week, you're hitting glute, ham, calves. And then you three days a week with one movement. If you just squat Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're hitting four, about four lower body muscle groups three days a week just squats so that's why it's very important to to emphasize compound movements and we'll go over the different types of movements and we'll get a little bit more into detail but i'm just laying the foundation where frequency is going to pretty much determine your splits for your workouts now my personal routine so my personal programming i make my programming for the whole year so usually in november I'll make the program, my program for the next year, for the whole year. I'll start, I'll make that in November. So the program I'm currently in, I had fit, I had made last November. It is March 8th of this, of current, March 8th, 2023. Anyway, it's broken up to three seasons. Each season is four months each with a test day at the end of each season. Because each season is focused on a specific uh, movement that I'm training for strength. So right now, the first four months of the year is always focused on bench. So right now I am training five days a week. I do upper body Monday, Wednesday, Friday, lower body Tuesday, Thursday. And then when I go to the second, well, I guess it'd be the what, second try, what is it? second season, the second three months. Uh, it's, that's when I will take it to six days a week. Um, I don't do six days a week that often just because of scheduling. Back when I didn't work on weekends, I was doing six days a week. Now I kind of got to work on weekends and getting to the gym is almost kind of not work. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. So that that would depend. But usually five to six days a week, the second three months, and it's three upper body, three lower body, and I'm training for a 225 test. So first season is bitch. Second season is 225 tests, which there is a slight difference in those. And the last three months or last season the last four months sorry it's four months east i think i'm saying three months but the last four months is deadlift and squat sometimes i'll throw hand clean in there it depends on the situation the gym because a lot of time i'm not able to actually hand clean a lot but it's emphasized in lower body and now i'll do lower body monday wednesday friday upper body tuesday thursday so as you see it kind of switched because i'll emphasize upper i'll do it three days a week and i'll still maintain lower body by doing it twice a week and then towards the end of the season, it flips. Lower body is three days a week. Upper body is two days a week. Now, going to the next section, we're talking volume versus intensity. Once your frequency has been set and your splits have been set, it is all about volume intensity. Volume is total. Volume is reps. Your reps and sets is your volume. Intensity is the weight. So as your intensity, as your volume goes down, your intensity is going to go higher. So less reps you do, the more weight you're going to put on. It doesn't, it, you get, there's no, in strength training, there's no real benefit in going, if you could do, let's say on bench, you could do 135 
for sets of 10, 10 or 15. And then you take your reps down to sets of three and you still keep it at 135. You're not gonna see much gain in strength at all. When you go down to sets of three, you might add on 225 or 275. That makes sense. And so for strength training, the general rule is five, you wanna cap your reps out at five. So me personally, for my compound movements, so for my bench, squat, hang clean, deadlift, the max reps I will do in a set for my work sets, I will throw that caveat, for my work sets is five reps. So when I first start a program, I'll start off with my, I call my foundational reps and sets, which is five by five. So whenever I get into the summer and it starts, it's time to start training for 225 tests, I'll start off by doing five by five and then I'll get into the rest of my routine for training for 225. Same when I get focused on my, my leg season. I'll start off with my squat, five by five. And then my reps and sets will change from there, but they're gonna go down because so I can increase in weight. And so obviously the less reps, higher intensity. And the reason why you wanna get to higher intensity as you get closer to your max day is because you have to build the dexterity to handle the load. If you're trying to work up to a 400, let's say your max squat is 400 pounds and you wanna get to 405 to PR by five pounds. It will do you no good by repping 135. Let's say you can naturally do 385. So 385 was your last, know what I said. I'm sorry, I told you I was gonna fumble. 400 was the last time you ma you maxed. So 400's your max. You're trying to get to 405, five pound PR. It will do you no good to do sets of five and three at 135 because your body won't be used to handling that load. You have to have the foundation and the dexterity in your skeletal system to actually be able to withhold five, 400, I almost said five, 405 pounds on your back. And the only way to build that dexterity is to put the your bones and muscles under that pressure at a high enough frequency to build the strength to withstand it consistently, right? So that's the whole idea of when you train for strength, you gotta keep the reps low so you can get your body acclimated to handling that load. Now, ex when you get to accessory work, so your compound movement is your main movement that you're training, you're training to increase your strength. Then you have what we call accessory work. That's more isolation work. Um, I have a section I'm going to go into that, but I also just want to lay it down now. So accessory work might be working on curls, just focusing on the bicep. Yeah, when you, you do your set on the bench press, you're working on some biceps on bench. And then when you get done bench, you might do some hamstring curls to really isolate and focus on the bicep. That's your accessory work. That's your isolation work. Or you might do some unilateral work, which is just like single arm or single leg work. You might do alternate dumbbell curls, one arm at a time, really focusing on the eccentric portion of the movement, which is the, the pulling portion of the movement. I believe I, I believe that one's right. Sometimes I get eccentric and concentric mixed up. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. To really isolate and focus on the movement of the bicep. This is isolation work and accessory work is very, very, very prevalent in hypertrophy. Because hypertrophy, you just, all you want to do is just tear down those muscle fibers to the point of failure. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to stay on the strength side. But that's just what something I'm going to lay down that we're going to talk to later. 
because you do want to implement accessory work into your workouts. Uh, doing a bunch of compound lifts is great, but it is it is important to every now and then really isolate specific muscle groups that are going to aid in increasing the max in whatever movement it is. Like for example, if you're squatting, and if, if you're squatting all the time or you're trying to increase your squat, it will be beneficial to do some hamstring curls to isolate the hamstring because the hamstring is vitally important for getting out of the hole and squat. Same with quads. All right. Now, my now, going into my personal workout programming, like I said, I'll start off with sets of five, but then I'll work my way down. So season one, right as of right now, I am ooh, three, three months in. So it's March. I'm three months in. The first two months, I'll do sets of five, four, and three. So usually it'll be like Monday will be five by five. Wednesday will be five sets of four. And Friday will be five sets of three. So I start off five by five, and even throughout the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll do sets of five, sets of four, sets of three. So through, even throughout the week, as the week gets closer to the end of the week, we get closer to Friday, my reps are going down, and I'm increasing the weight as I go. And then the next week, I'm back at five, five, four, three, five, four, three, five, four, three. And I'll do that for the first two months. Then the set last two months leading up to the test day, it'll be sets of three, two, one. Sometimes it's two, just two and one. It depends uh, how well the sets of three worked in the first, uh, first two months. So I make those adjustments. But right now, since I'm already in the second two months, I'm doing sets of two and one. And then I'll do that all the way leading up to max day. And the week of max day, it's a little different. It gets a little more, uh, not complex, but it just gets simplified to where I'm pretty much doing one set of two and just sets of one, just working up to like 80, 85, 90%, maybe sometimes 95%, depends if I have a, a spotter or not. And then I'll test. I'll take a good two, three days rest, test. Now, now we're gonna get into the compound versus isolation movements. So compound, again, we talked about working multiple muscle groups. A good way, a good general way to think about this is anytime you're using the barbell, it's probably a compound movement. Deadlift, squat, hang clean, bench. You're working a multitude of muscle groups. Isolation work or accessory work, you can think of machines. Like if, you're, if you guys seen the uh, shoulder press machines, it's very isolatory on the shoulders because it's such the machine has a specific strict pathway to where it's only working generally that one. There might be like a one secondary muscle involved as well, but it's generally isolating whatever muscle group you're doing. And you can also think dumbbells are actually a good tool to use because it's kind of a little bit of the best of both worlds. Because dumbbells, you can get really isometric in terms of isolating a specific muscle group, but you can also get a little bit of compoundivity. I think it's made that word up, compoundivity. You can get some compound-like, uh, what's the word, some compound-like work from dumbbells. Like if you're doing dumbbell bench, you're really isolating the bench, but you're also working compound movements because you can move dumbbells in certain angles to work other movements. Because in dumbbell bench, if you bring your elbows in, you'll work more triceps with the pec. If you bring your elbows out, which you're not, which you're not supposed to, but if you know what you're doing, you can bring your elbows out and work at a certain angle. You can actually work more deltoid and less tricep. But you gotta also know what you're doing because bringing your shoulders out, you know, 
your compromised deltoids. You probably go lower in weight if you were purposefully trying to work the deltoid. You can drop the weight to where you don't compromise yourself being out here and work chest and deltoid together. But that's a good way to kind of think about the difference between barbell free weight, dumbbells and machines. And the cable machines are also great because they're essentially kind of like dumbbells where you can work things in specific angles to work more lat when you're doing like a, a pull or you can work more uh, rhombus, uh, upper back, more trap, things like that. But when you're building, when you're working for strength, always prioritize compound movements and especially the movements you're trying to increase your numbers in. But that does not mean you, that does not mean don't do accessory work. It should be a mix of both. So that gets into our next session that I think is actually very important to talk about because a lot of people don't talk about is the difference between training muscle groups and training for the movement. There's a huge difference between training for a specific movement and training for muscle groups. Because there, there's a, well, let me just get into it. So I was about to get tangent. I had to refer back to my notes. So strength training, you want to train for movement over muscle groups. It's common sense. If you want to increase your bench, you're going to have to bench. If you're not benching, you can, you can, there's 10 different exercises you can do to work the pec muscles. Because primary muscles being worked in a bench is your chest, pec muscles, your pectorials. Okay? There are 10 different movements you can do with just a dumbbell. But there's, let's say there's 10 different movements you can do that's not bench that work your chest. You can do those movements all you want. Yes, your chest will probably get a little bigger. Your chest will get a little stronger. But you will, it will do you no good in actually increasing your bench press number. Because you're, again, you're going back to that load. You're not putting that specific load on those muscle groups of that nature to that level. If your bench max is 350 and you don't bench for two months, you can do all the pec flies you want. You can do all the plate raises you want. If you go two months without benching, your bench press max number more times not is not gonna go up. Very, probably not likely. I'm not gonna say never, because there's freaks of natures out there, but for 99% of people, your max bench is not gonna go up if you're not actually benching. Now you can do variations of bench, that'll help, but even then, you still need to do a, some form of that specific variation of the bench. So for example, you're trying to increase your max bench, just flat bench. If you're gonna bench three days a week, let's say one day you're doing incline bench, another day you're doing decline bench, you still, I would still suggest at least one day out of the week where you're doing the regular bench, the regular flat bench. Now you can do, and then even with that, you got regular flat bench, you can do regular flat bench all three days. If you don't wanna do just flat bench all the time, you can do pause reps, you can do uh, eccentric where you're slow down, control, you can, you, can, you can do it all kinds of ways. Uh, me personally, I just flat out flat bench three days a week, uh, but my reps are different. So the load is gonna be different each day. But anyway, that, I'm just trying to make a point where you have to actually bench to increase your bench. You're gonna have to actually squat to increase your squat. And so, oh, wait a minute. So compound movements, you want to, when it comes to mixing compounds with accessories, there's a there's different ways you can do it. 
I know me personally, I do a hybrid type of workout. So I, I kind of want to wait to touch on that at the end. But you can easily do sets of five on your accessory work. If you want to do dumbbell curls, load that bad boy up. And whatever you do for sets of five, you do that. Or easy bar curls, sets of five. Really load it up and focus on the, the biceps. Or you can do... I'll touch on that later, but you can also do higher reps if, if needed. You got that. This is where it comes down to personal preference. Once you're getting to the point of mixing your compound and accessory work, but for the compound movements, definitely emphasize reps of five or lower. And then for accessory work, you can think about training muscle groups. So once you've hit your bench and you're choosing your accessory work movements, as long as it's pretty much a muscle group that aids in your ability to bench, you're pretty much in a good area. So if you're doing bench and then you do dumbbell bench press because you want to work chest some more and you do some shoulder workout, let's say shoulder press because shoulders are involved and you do a tricep workout. Your accessory is a shoulder, tricep, and you also got another chest accessory in there. You're probably going to be in a good spot to increase in your bench because those are primary muscles that are also worked in, in, uh, in parallel with the pectoral muscles. Same with squat. If you want to increase your squat, your back squat, maybe you'll do a hamstring curl to isolate the hamstring, a Bulgarian split squat to really uh, emphasize the, the quad, and maybe a glute bridge to, to isolate the, the glute. Things like that. Now, here's to this next part is talking about, this is a style of, uh, um, I guess it is a style of programming, but it's called progressive overload. Now, this is my bread and butter. I feel like one of the reasons why um, I'm able to make the progress that I make is because I follow progressive overload to the T. What is progressive overload? It's probably viewed as the most boring form of training. If you guys follow me on Instagram or if you go to follow me on Instagram or check out my Instagram, you'll notice my reels, it's the same thing every time. It, it's a bunch of squat, it's a bunch of squat, deadlift, bench. So progressive overload is doing the same movements every week. And as you get used to the movement or used to that weight, you slowly add weight over time. And it's, I love this form of training because some people, you'll see on the internet or you hear some people say that muscle memory is bad for training. You want to shock the muscles. You want to switch it up. Well, when it comes for building for strength, now remember specific, we're talking about specifically to increase the max in a movement you actually need muscle memory to, in, to increase your bench. You want your muscles to have that memory of benching. You want the, the muscles to, to be able to bench in its sleep because that's what you're gonna need when you go to load the bar, you want the muscle memory. Once the muscle memory's been, been implemented, because I believe muscle memory starts to set in two to four weeks. Once you're benching consistently, the muscle memory set in, once that happens and you're starting to get used to it, you start adding weight. You start adding weight over time. Maybe every two weeks you're adding two and a half pounds. Or after a month, you're five pounds where you were. Two months, you're 10, 15 pounds from where you started. You start off somewhere and as it gets easier, oh, so, oh I'm moving the weight easy. Go ahead and slide a five on there. Then you're doing that another two weeks. Oh, it's kind of easy. Slide a, another five on there. So it's 10, 10 pounds where you started. That's getting you slowly adding weight over time. It's progressive overload. And then, so the way you want to think about progressive overload is whatever your max it was two, three years ago, 
you want that to be whatever your max is now in two or three years that's what you want to be your work set so when i was younger i remember a time where my max bench was 205 now 205 is beyond a, a 205 is a warm-up set that's kind of how you want to think it's more of a long-term mindset you want to think long-term whatever your weight that you can do for a set of three down the road you want that to be what you can do for a set of five make your max your work set or make your max your warm-up set when i first uh started I'm trying to think uh, a good time for to explain at one point on my bench press for a set of three, oh, I'm getting kind of old. Well, I'll do this example. At one point, I could only do 225 for eight, eight times. And that was like training for 225. I could do 225 eight times. Now, my finisher is the end of my bench, which I'll get into this later. My finisher is 225, and I'm doing anywhere from 15 to 18 reps as a burnout set. Not even as like me trying to get the maximum amount of numbers I can without, you know, before I fatigue myself. And that's just because over time, as y'all will under, uh, it may be a little more clear, a little more, yeah, I said that right. A little more, it'll be clearer, a little more clear. You'll understand later kind of how that works, but I always in some shape or form implement a small bit of training for 225 tests anytime I bench. But that's how progressive overload works. I know it's boring. It can be boring. It's the same movements over and over and over. But it, it really works. It really, really does. And me personally, that's what I always suggest, especially if you're trying to train for strength. Specifically, you're trying to train for strength. Hypertrophy gets a little different. As long as you're hitting those muscle groups, I don't want to say the movement doesn't really matter. But as long as you're isolating bicep, really, however you isolate that bicep, and get very similar in movement and go to close to failure on those things, you're pretty much gonna see results. But again, that's the difference between hypertrophy and strength training. So now on this section, I kind of, I just wanna get into my personal training right now. And it's kind of a hybrid. It's a mix. Some would say it's a mix of hypertrophy and strength training, but the big emphasis is on the strength training. So I have low reps, a heavy, low volume, high intensity on the compound movements. And I have high volume, medium intensity on the accessory work. So today is Wednesday. So today, well, let's just go over my bench workout as of right now. So Monday, bench, bench Monday, I do five sets of two. And I do a burnout set at 225. Then I, Wednesday, I do three sets of two, two sets of one, burnout set at 225. Friday, I do two sets of two, three sets of one burnout set at 225. So as you notice, kind of how I explained earlier, I moved from five, five, four, three, Monday was it Friday at the beginning. Here, I went from set five sets of two, then three sets of two, set of one. And then Friday, only two sets of two and the rest are sets of one. And it's really loaded up. I think last Friday, I got up to two or 340, 345. So I the bars really low. I got to be careful, I don't have a spotter. So I didn't go crazy, um, but I really loaded up the bar. And then I finished with a set, a burnout set at 225. Cause once I get into my second season or my second phase 
of this year, I'll already have some foundation for my 225 training so I can just get hit the ball, hit the ground running on 225. And, and the burnout sets on Mondays, I'm only hitting like 12. And, but Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm getting close 17, 18 reps. So we're adding, again, that's, that's hypertrophy level training, but that's just the really, I've hit my, I got the, the load on, on the bones, on the arms and on the chest. I already got that load applied with about 80 to 90% of max. And now I'm just really just tearing down the muscles at that point. So next I do chest press, five sets of 10, cable tricep pushdowns, five sets of 10, dumbbell lateral raise, five sets of 10, TRX curls. I think that's what they're called. I don't know the technical name, but it's just a TRX. And I start here and I come up and I curl like that. A TRX curl. And I do a, a captain's chair leg raise. I don't know if you guys know what a captain's chair is, but it's basically your elbows are here and you're like, it's being like a hanging raise with your elbows here and you just raise your legs. It's an ab movement. Um, I do abs every day. I, my finisher is always abs. I know some people only do abs like on one day. I do abs every single day. Just one movement at the end every single day. So my upper body movements, it's six movements, five of them are upper body. I'm hitting chest, shoulders, buys, tries, upper back, and abs three days a week with, with that movement because of the compound movements. And then my accessories, I'm hitting chest again, I'm hitting tricep, I'm hitting shoulder with the lateral raise. And then the lateral, with, again, the lateral raises with the dumbbells. So I do the lateral raise in a specific angle to where I'm actually squeezing the upper back so the trap is activated. So I'm also hitting not only the deltoids, but I'm also hitting some trap and um, upper back as well. Again, that's why one of the advantages of dumbbells is you can do them at specific angles to work a little bit more of a secondary muscle. And then TRX curls, biceps, a little bit of uh, deltoids, and the cafeteria leg raises, abs. Going to the leg days, now, Obviously, I'm not focused on leg days, but I am still I am still trying to increase my my squat, even though it's not the season I'm in. But it's only two days a week. But those days are short. Right now, it's hand clean, five sets of three. It's really just speed clean. It's nothing. There's more of a warm up, honestly. Then squat is five sets of two, deadlift five sets of two, and then I just do mountain climbers five by ten each each leg. Very fairly short, but those sets of two are heavy sets of two. So I'm still making sure my body's still getting that that uh that weight load from the the workout. So when I get into leg season, I'm acclimated to carrying a heavy. I don't have to start from scratch. So even though I'm focused on increasing my max bench now, when you're making your programming, you still need to also think if you're if you're I would assume and hope that you were you're if you're listening to this and you're wanting to train strength, you're doing everything. I hope we don't have any people skipping leg days or not even focusing on legs. I hope at some point you're gonna wanna increase your bench and your squat. Maybe not deadlift or hand clean, but at least squat and bench. But whenever you're, if you're splitting up, like I'm splitting it up where it's upper body focus and it's a lower body focus in two separate seasons. You can, if you wanted to, if you like, if you went to six days a week and you did upper three and lower three, you could, again, that's why I said earlier, it's, it's optimal for, prioritizing increasing both squat and bench in the same season or at the same time because you can folk have that upper body focus like i have here you have that same lower body focus those three days of legs and you can do that at once that's not how i set it up but you that's something you could do 
This, this is my personal programming and this works for me. You can take bits and pieces of this and kind of make your own twist to it if you wanted to do that. You could still focus on increasing your squat. If you wanted to test squat with your bench and but just only doing legs twice a week, you could still do that. But the way mine is split up, even though I'm not focused on legs, I'm acclimating myself to being going heavy on legs. So when it's leg season, I'm not starting from scratch. Yes, I'll start off probably five sets of five or five sets of four, but it'll be a heavy set of five and four and my body will be used to still going heavy. So I'm not starting from ground zero. I'm kind of just starting a little bit less than where I left off. And for the leg days, it's four movements, but I pretty much hit everything lower body. And those four movements, I've hit glutes, quads, hamstring, calves, abs. Four leg movements and then obviously abs. And just that it, leg days are efficient. Super efficient, four movements. I've hit four different muscle groups, pretty much all the lower body muscle groups. Maybe not hip flexors, but you could argue uh, hang clean and squat. Anyway, y'all get what I'm saying. The big the big four, a lower body, I've hit those. I'm, I'm hitting them still twice a week at a heavy, uh, a medium and uh, pretty high intensity actually. Now, that's pretty much all there is in terms of programming when it comes for building strength you gotta have your frequency how many days a week are you training and that will give you your split and on your split picking the movements you want to prioritize your compound movements first in the beginning of the workout and then after that you can work on accessory works and muscle groups that are going to aid in increasing those uh increasing that movement if it's bench you want to prioritize muscle groups that are help help increase your bench and so for this last end of the podcast, before I wrap it up, I just want to do a quick, and I mean quick overview because I can do another podcast on this alone, is just diet and recovery. I don't want to go too in deep because dieting can be very complicated, convoluted. And I, before I get to this section, I also have to mention I'm not a licensed dietitian. I am not a nutritionist. Um, so these are just, this is just advice and this is just kind of how I do things in terms of my diet and taking care of my body because all this training stuff is is I don't want to say useless but it's it becomes very very hard to be consistent and to to maintain what your 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 progress you make if you're not taking care of your body um oh and also one thing I forgot to mention with frequency before I get into this last little section is you the most important thing with frequency is picking a frequency that's realistic to your lifestyle. If you can't train seven days a week, that's fine. How many days a week you can train, that's how many days a week you should set up for. But you need to keep this in mind. If you're the less frequent you train, the more disciplined you have to be, if that makes sense. Because if you're training twice a week, and let's say you wake up, let's say it's Tuesday, Thursday. You wake up Tuesday, oh, I don't feel like going to gym, you skip. That week, you've only trained one. And let's just say it's full body both those days. That means that week, you have only trained once that entire week. So that next week, it would have been 10 days before you trained again. If, you, if Over 10 days, you would have, because... You train Thursday, then you go, you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you miss, Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday, 
Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's 12 days you've worked out once in 12 days. You see what I'm saying? So you can, if you're working out twice the day, twice a week, you got to hit those days every week. You got to be perfect. You can't afford to miss a day because if you miss one day, let's say one week you miss Tuesday, the next week you miss Thursday, you've only worked out twice in that time span. And 14, I, I don't even know how many days that would be if you include the days of the week before. But that's like half a month you've only worked out twice. So you got to be more on top of it. But if you worked out six days a week, and let's say you miss, let's say you work out Monday through Saturday, and let's say something happens, you don't feel so good, whatever, you're sick, you miss Wednesday. Well, you're still going to work out Thursday. So yeah, you miss that one day, but you'll, you're going to work out the next day. And then you'll, you know what I'm saying? Or if you work out seven days a week, you miss a day, or even if you miss two days, you're still going to work out. Let's say you miss Monday, Tuesday, you're still going to work out the rest of the week. So there's more leeway for a little bit of inconsistency, the more frequent you're training. I just want you, I want uh, people to keep that in mind as you're making your programming. The less frequent it is, the more, the more you can't afford to miss. And that's why if you're only planning to work out one day a week, if you're missing any days, if, that's why one day weeks don't even make sense. You miss that day, you didn't work out at all that week. If you go, if you're going 10 to 14 days without training, building strength is going to be virtually impossible. I just wanted to make that because I wanted to put that in there and I kind of forgot to touch on that about how, you know, just be realistic. Set a goal for yourself. Try to stick to it, but set it up to where even if you miss a day, you're still getting good work in that week. Make it foolproof for yourself. All right. So getting to this last section, I believe this is probably the most underrated thing when it comes to diet, recover, just taking care of your body. That's what I'll call it. Sleep. Getting enough sleep is vastly underrated in the fitness industry because when you go to sleep, that's when your body is healing itself. So if you're not getting enough sleep, that's where the inconsistencies come from. You're either too sore because your body didn't repair itself well enough or you're too tired, you're too sluggish, you feel like crap when you wake up, so you decide to skip. Getting enough sleep is just gonna help you, one, recover faster, two, you're gonna feel better when you wake up, you're not gonna be so sluggish, you're gonna be a wake up, ready to rock. Two, get enough water. You should be drinking, the general consensus is drinking half your body weight in pounds and ounces. So if you're 200 pounds, 100 ounces of water. That doesn't include water that you'll lose like while you're working out from sweating. But if you're drinking water during your workout, you'll probably be fine. So getting enough water. Next is I think one of the biggest problems for people trying to gain strength. And I just want to make this one caveat when I'm talking about my training. This is coming from somebody that's an ectomorph. I'm naturally skinny, so it's hard for me to gain weight. So if you're somebody that's coming from the other side that's trying to lose weight but gain strength, it's going to be a little different. That's why I want this to be a quick overview because I there, there's so many moving parts when it comes to, to, to dieting and stuff. But what this is important regardless of which way you're going, whether you're coming down, trying to lose weight and build strength, or you're trying to gain weight and build strength. Uh, you need to get enough protein in your diet. Protein is the building blocks of muscles, of muscle, right? If you're not getting enough protein, you're not going to be able to build muscle or you won't be able to sustain any muscle that you build. So it's vitally important that you get enough protein in your diet. 
and the general general rule of thumb, there's a lot of research and studies that have been done. General rule, a good baseline is a pound, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you should take 200 grams of protein. It sounds like a lot, but if you if you know what you're doing, or if you if you do your research, it's not that hard. You know, you can drink protein shakes. It's got 30, 40 grams of protein in there. Or you can, if you if you eat if I don't if you eat meat, I know there's a community communities that don't eat meat, but if you eat meat, four ounces of uh, chicken breast is 38 grams of protein, and four ounces isn't even that much. So there's ways you can do it by doing high dense uh, high density foods like meat. It's gonna be it's gonna be higher protein, low in carb, pretty low in fat, depending on the cut. But for the most part, it's not gonna be a lot of fat like it is like your, your fried foods. Obviously, it depends how you prepare it. But if you're talking about a grilled chicken or a steak, it's gonna be high in protein, low in carbs. It's gonna be really dense in the protein category. I don't want to talk too much about carbs and fat because again, it's gonna depend where you're coming from. But I will talk about my personal uh, macros, and so that leads straight into the next. Topic, count your calories. It blows my mind how people don't count their calories. You have no idea if you're getting what you're supposed to be getting if you're not counting your calories. I'll have people reach out to me and ask for all these advice about getting bigger, getting stronger, building strength, losing weight, all these things. Because protein, building muscle inherently gets rid of fat like building muscle you're gonna lose fat by default so building muscle is always good but before i give any advice i'll always ask are you getting enough protein in your diet they'll say yes or i'll, I'll even say are you getting enough protein or are you eating enough right especially feet my, my my female friends or women that that ask me advice i'll always ask are you eating enough because nine times out of ten they're not but anyway i'll ask are you get enough protein or are you eating enough something like that They'll say yes. Then I'll say, ask them, are you counting your calories? They'll say no. Well, how do you know if you're eating enough if you're not counting your calories, right? It doesn't make any sense because you have no idea if you're eating enough or not. You don't know how much protein you've consumed. If you're 150 pounds and you'd be eating 150 pounds of protein, if you're not counting your protein, when I ask, are you eating enough or do you get enough protein? You can't say yes or no. You don't know, right? So it's Vitally important to count your calories because I'm coming from an experience where I didn't count my calories. I was just kind of eating a lot of meat, eating a lot of fruit, vegetables, and eating a lot of complex carbs or complex starches, so like potatoes, uh, uh, rice, anything, anything like that. And I assumed I was eating enough because I was just eating a lot. And I started counting my calories, and it turns out I was vastly under eating. I wasn't eating close to what I need to be eating once I got educated. YouTube, thanks to YouTube, I'm telling you, well, I'll tell you at the end, but thanks to YouTube, I figured out my, I calculated my own macros and figured out how much protein I'm supposed to eat. So at the time it was like 185 grams of protein because I was 185, I was trying to get to 190 and I was only eating 150. So I was eating enough protein if I was, as if I was 30 pounds lighter because I wasn't counting my calories. So you gotta make sure you're putting enough fuel in your body. And there are actually plenty of apps that will calculate uh, your macros for you. So your macros is counting your macronutrition, which is protein, fat, carbs. Total calories, protein, fat, carbs. 
and they have the, if you go online there's calculators that will they'll ask you like what do you weigh now what are you trying to get to how long you're trying like what time frame you're trying to get there and they'll actually calculate the macros for you um if you uh i also have my app ivy fitness on the apple store or google play i actually have a uh macro calculator i actually will do the calculations for you and you can count your macros from the food you eat within the app. If you guys want to check that out, go download it. If not, there are plenty of apps that'll do it for free. Again, um, it's it's available. I don't know if I mentioned, but my app for the just for the macro, uh, the macro nutrition plan, it's five dollars a month. But again, there's plenty of apps to do it for free if you want to do that. But you gotta count your calories. So my personal macros right now, I'm currently two hundred pounds, uh, two hundred five pounds. I'm trying to get to 215 by December. So, and for me, I'm ectomorph. My numbers are minimums. That's how you have to view it from somebody like me. Again, I struggle to get, if I stop working out, I can easily get back down to 180, 175. I just stopped because I'm just a nasty ectomorph. So for my numbers, I view them as minimums that I need to hit to go in the direction of putting on muscle mass or gaining strength. So 215 grams of protein, or oh, it's 4,300 calories a day. 215 grams of protein, 143 grams of fat, and like 550-ish grams of carbs. And those are my minimums. I'm usually way over 215 grams of protein. I'm like, I think yesterday I got to 270, day before was 250. So I'm like, right, I usually get about 250 grams of protein. And I'm actually pretty on point with the carbs and fat. I'm usually within like, 50 grams of carbs, fat, I'm usually within like, within like 20 grams, nothing crazy. Cause I don't wanna go, you don't wanna go too far over. But another advantage of counting your calories is you can make adjustments if you're off. So there was one day I was, I had meal prep. So my meal prep, I'm not sure how many calories is gonna be, but I just try to make sure it's, I got a protein and a carb basically. So I had meal prepped, I bought, I got all my food, made whatever, Monday rolls around, that's the first day I count because I'll restart every Monday. By the end of the Monday, I was short of some calories. And so since I was short of my protein and my total calories, I was able to get in some food or I was able to make an adjustment before the end of the day to get enough protein in. So for example, if you need 150 grams of protein and it's getting towards the end of the day, you eat your last meal and you're 10 grams of protein short, you gotta make an adjustment. So uh, peanut butter is great. It's a great thing. I actually keep a jar of peanut butter around me uh, on me when I when I leave the house, when I go to work, because two tablespoons, a serving is two tablespoons. So just get a spoon, whatever. Two two scoops, which is one serving, is two about depending on the peanut butter, two hundred calories, sixteen grams of protein. So if you're short, let's say you're short uh, one hundred fifty calories, and you need twelve grams of protein, just do. Two quick scoops of peanut butter, wash it down with some water, bam. You hit your goal, you're good for the day. Or you can kind of make that adjustment as you go on, like, oh, I didn't buy enough food for the week, but I, if I can get four scoops of peanut butter in throughout the day, it'll give me the 400 calories and 32 grams of protein. And let's say, that, let's say that'll get you over from being short, that you can make those adjustments. Or you can go to the grocery store and get it. You know, you can make the adjustments to make sure you're hitting your numbers because if you didn't count your calories you'd be working at a, a you'd be working negative on your calories and protein the whole week if you do a whole week working at a negative you're losing weight you're losing muscle mass 
you got to make sure you count your calories. Sorry, I went on a long tangent. It's supposed to be quick, but I just have, I really, 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 really want to emphasize how important it is to count your calories. As a matter of fact, I challenge you, if you're listening or watching this and you want to change and you want to start working out for strength or you're in it and you're not, if you're just not counting your calories, no matter what stage you are in your fitness journey or life, even if you're not training and you're just watching this just to get educated, if you're not counting, I challenge you, I challenge you to count your calories. The first week, one week, just don't even plan anything. Don't meal prep. Don't plan anything. Just get some, uh, just get, I guess, get some random macros or just get an app. Count your calories throughout the week. And even if you're on the other side where you're trying to lose weight, you're probably overeating. For somebody like me, I was under eating. You might be overeating. Count your calories. See how much food. If you're somebody like me, you're probably under eating. If you're plateauing in weight, you're plateauing your numbers. Or if you can't lose weight, you're probably overeating. Just for one week, count your calories. See what your macros are. Use the app to calculate your macros. Then just don't even meal prep. Count your calories. The next week, see where you're at. The next week, actually plan out. You don't have to meal prep, like make all your food at once, but meal plan. There's a difference between meal prep and meal plan. Meal, I meal plan. I actually don't make all my food at, I don't make all my food at once. I make like my lunches because I have to take them to work. But like my dinners, I don't make all at once. I make my dinners like that night. But I have my dinner planned out for the week. Just meal plan. Figure out what you're going to eat for each meal, yada, yada, yada. And try to, if you're overeating, try to plan your meals to cut back on some fat or some carbs and maybe increase the protein. Because usually what happens is you're getting enough fat and carbs, but you're not getting enough protein. And on the other side of that, it's probably the same. Or it's probably the opposite. You're not getting enough protein and you're not getting enough fat and carbs. But anyway, actually plan out how you're going to go about meal planning and prepping if you also do that. Make the adjustments and just see. You'll see and feel the difference in your eating habits. Okay? Now, enough about that. Sorry, that was a long rant, but it is so important. If there's one thing you take away from here, I want it to be count your calories. All right? Now, last thing, recovery. Recovery seems like it's super complex and like you got to do all these things. It's really not that hard. Just stretch, baths, supplements. Kind of do those things. Supplements, I don't want to go into supplements. I can do a whole other podcast of supplements. But there's two supplements I'll just throw out there for you to either research or start taking. Creatine, BCAAs. If you don't know what creatine is, it's a supplement. It's the most studied supplement on the, on the, in the planet. And it's it has a ton of benefits, not only physically, but it has a lot of cognitive uh, benefits in terms of mood and um, cognitive functions and all that good stuff. And then BCAAs is branched-chain amino acids. And amino acids are the building blocks of protein, and protein is the building blocks of muscle. So BCAAs help in uh, muscle repair and re- uh, rebuilding, uh, repairing cells, recovery as a whole, both of them help recovery. Uh, but you can do your research on creatine BCAAs, but if there's two things I would throw out, I would be those two. But, and then just recovery, there's so many different type things of recovery. Uh, stretch before, I don't stretch after, but I do take hot baths after. Some people take cold baths, but I actually prefer hot baths because um, I actually try, I want circulation going after I work out because I work out for, right when I wake up, I work out in the mornings. So I actually like to have the circulation uh, throughout my body so I'm good for the rest of the day. But I will take a cold shower after my hot tub. You're in the hot tub for 20 minutes. 
and I I don't have like a uh a like a tub tub, like a hot tub tub. I just have a bath with a tub, and I just hot water. It doesn't have to be like super hot, but just sit in it 10, 20 minutes, you're good to go, and then you're good to go for the day. Uh, sitting in there for 20 minutes, you'll start sweating. So I, I would suggest taking a cold shower to kind of regulate the temperature, get your body temperature back down. Otherwise, when you get out the shower, if taking a hot bath and a hot shower, you're gonna still be sweating. But anyway, that's all it really takes is just stretching. I'll stretch before bed. I just do like five, 10 minutes stretching every night before bed. And I take a plethora of supplements, uh, creatine, HMB, BCAAs, and uh, vitamin C. I take a scoop of vitamin C in the morning, scoop of vitamin C at night. But do just do your research. Do your research from reliable sources. There are going to be articles that are going to say this is bad for you, that's bad for you, this that. Just reliable resources. YouTube is a powerful tool. A lot of the stuff that I've learned over the past decade has has generally just been from YouTube. I can have it on the background. I can have my earplugs in. I'm just soaking all this information while I'm doing other stuff. So just get your uh, get your information from reliable sources, from credible sources as well. So again, quick overview, get enough sleep, get enough water, a gram of protein per pound of body weight, count your calories, and recovery. And honestly, if you, I got my, if you don't want to buy the massage guns, if you don't want to spend money, all you got to do is, if you work out in the mornings or if you work out in general, just warm up properly for your workouts. Just get a good sweat going. After the gym... Take a bath, cold or hot, I prefer hot, hot bath, cold shower, and then stretch five, 10 minutes a day. You'll be all right. Um, that's pretty much all I had. Find what works for you. You know, you have the guidelines to frequency and now that you have all this information, you can make tweaks and adjustments that work specifically to you. There is no one size fits all. I did try doing the I did try doing the, the five by five for everything, for compound and accessory work. It didn't work for me. So I had to move my accessory work to five by 10. I need a higher volume for my accessory work. That's what works for me. That might not work for you. You might wanna do sets of three sets of 15 or three sets of 20 on your accessory work. Or you might wanna do five by six, five by five and go heavy on your accessory work. But you, know, you can do that, make those adjustments for you. No one size fits all, but just keep this information in mind to optimize making your workout programming. Um, appreciate you guys for watching. If you've gotten this far, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, also throwing this on my YouTube. So if you're on the podcast, you can subscribe. But uh, yeah, that's how you train for strength. And uh, this has been Uncle Strip. We'll catch you guys next time. I'm going to chase my dreams, my life.